0: Welcome to Better Shelves, a podcast from the Bookshelf Limited. We help aspiring authors to create life-changing non-fiction books. We're based in Birmingham, but we work with authors across the globe, and our mission is to make the world a better place through books. Hi, Adam, or should I say AJ1. Thanks for joining us on the Better Shelves podcast. Obviously, I'd say congratulations on publishing your book, but it wasn't recently, was it? It was a couple of months ago. I think it was nearly 12 months ago now. long? Wow, time flies. So also, I should say as a disclaimer at the beginning, anyone who doesn't like swearing, I warn you in advance, there's a lot of swearing in the book. There's a swear count at the beginning, and it's called You Are Going to Fucking Die. So if you don't like swearing, switch off now.
1: You're live on Channel 4, please do not swear.
0: (laughs) But yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about what the book's about? What inspired you to write it? I do. So the book is called, as you
1: eloquently put, You're Going to Fucking Die. It's obviously a headline-grabbing title to alert people that they are mortal, that we've only got one chance at life and we shouldn't waste our time on the planet. The premise is from something called a memento mori, which a colleague of mine, Chris, he told me about the concept of a memento mori, which is Latin for something like you will die or... You're going yeah. to fucking die. <laughs> yeah, not you're going to fucking die. I not think they used the fucking bit, but... The idea is that back in the day, you would carry around a skull or something that would represent death, which would give you a sense of urgency to go out and take chances and live your life rather than hiding away, being worried about what other people think. And I think it's really relevant at this moment in time, given the fact that social media gives everybody exposure to everything. You know, people's lives are on the screen and on podcasts and, you know, on CCTV and everything, and, you know, you've had to put a disclaimer on this about swearing. Back in the day, there was swearing on Transformers, the cartoon. So, you know, I do think this is for people that may have withdrawn or even started to judge people on the things that they do. When really, you should just be focusing on your own life, making the best of it. I was going to say making a mess <laughs> making making the best yeah. of your life that you have at this moment in time, because you may not wake up tomorrow. I was going to say, wake up tomorrow dead, but you may not wake up tomorrow. And I want people to live that fantastic life that we've all been given the gift of.
0: Awesome. Very succinctly put.
1: <laughs> I don't think it was that succinct.
0: But... <laughs> yeah, don't waste your time on podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, I totally agree with you. I have a little skull on my bookshelf, actually, that I picked up in Mexico and I have it as a reminder. Yeah,
1: definitely. So I think in the back of the book, there is a cutout memento mori, and the idea is that you could cut that out or you can stick it on the fridge. Reading the book is the memento mori itself in the fact that it is a reminder of death. And I know that sounds really morbid, and a lot of people have said to me, I'm not scared of death, I just don't want to think about it. But that's the point. If you're not thinking about it and you're not thinking that you've got a limited number of days, you're actually just spending your time, not necessarily wasting time. But definitely not maximizing the time and having all that you could have. Grasp the nettle and all of those cliches.
0: No, I think it's such a good point. We actually don't really talk about death, I think, as a society. We almost seem like scared of talking about it and we like to pretend it's not going to happen. And I don't think that's a very good place to be in. So, yeah, let's all talk about death.
1: Well, since I've read the book, (laughs) sorry, since I've written the book. Did you write uh, it? Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) It was me, honest. Yeah. Uh, I've read recently. That alcohol addiction, gambling, porn addiction, drug addiction, all of the negative things that are deemed to be negative have linked back to the fear of death, the avoidance of thinking about death. So you use these things, also gaming addiction as well. You use these things to avoid any quiet time for your mind to actually think about the concept that you may die. And I find that fascinating that we do that. And, you know, I, I experienced a couple of those addictions myself. And if I really think long and hard, I do think that they are probably linked back to not necessarily not thinking about death, but not thinking about the worst things that could happen, you know, perhaps other people's deaths or negative things that could happen in my life that may lead to death. Because I think that that's where everything links back to, you know, you're worried about your job because ultimately, if you don't have a job, you don't earn money, you can't eat food you can't provide for your family that links in caveman terms to death so we've just transposed the caveman mentality of going out hunting gathering and just trying to survive day to day and we transpose those onto modern life things
0: yeah it's a fair point actually and on that note how did you balance writing a book alongside having a day job and not just one book you have multiple books
1: i have multiple books so two self-help books So this one and a book called The Money Mistakes of Mom and Dad that we have just discussed, potentially rebranding or repurposing. And I've got two children's books about my parents being cartoon characters that turn into a ninja or a pirate for their grandkids, which are my children. So how did I balance it? So children's books I write really quickly and I don't need to balance that at all because I enjoy them and they're for the kids and I've already written them in my mind to tell the kids they're... No brainers, I'll just sit down and write away. As for the books aimed at adults, with the swearing in the titles, obviously, I found that I did a lot of late night writing. I would have a few beers and then start writing the content. And I found when I'd get an idea for a chapter, I'd sit down with the concept and just write. And when I'd write, I'd write for hours on end, which was great. But then when I didn't have an idea for a chapter, I couldn't write at all. I couldn't sit down without the concept of the chapter in my mind. To begin with and I dealt with the bookshelf at the time yourself and your team when I was coming to the end of the book to just sort of really solidify the order and you guys helped me out with the editing which was really useful because they were written in separate chunks of time that i would got lots of concepts that overlapped I've got lots of concepts that didn't match where they were in the book so we came up with the idea of having the different sections so we would got life and death living and dying and then a conclusion. You gave me the way of splitting it so it made sense. When I read it back, it made a lot more sense to me as a reader. So I think the difficulty was really having the concept to latch onto. Once the concept was there, I found it good. A lot of late-night working, and I did, towards the end, take a week off work to actually focus on the book as well, just to give it that last final push, because I felt like it could have just lay in my save folder on my laptop forever. And I think a lot of writers are like that. And I really needed that push. And you gave me a lot of inspiration. You coached me to get through. So I think towards the end, I needed a team. And I feel like I haven't started my next book. The ideas are whizzing around, but I'd like to actually get all of the chapters so I can really just sit down and absolutely nail it in one go.
0: Yeah, do you know, one of the things I've really been encouraging people is to start working with an editor sooner. If you've got an editor who's a coach, they can actually get you on the right track, maybe even before you've started writing and you're just so much more focused. And if you've got that outline where you've got your chapter headings and you've got your subheadings within, and then you can just sit and write in an organized way, it's so much easier. I know people are reluctant to get an editor involved that early and they think, oh, I need my first draft or something. But actually, you can avoid so much of that hands-on editing and especially the structural editing later on. If you just talk to them at the beginning, get them to check a couple of chapters, read your introduction Mm -hmm. and go, do you know what? Yeah, great. Crack on. Rather than at the end when they've got a wade through 60,000 words that's got no structure to it whatsoever. Yeah. So I think the first book I wrote was
1: just to see if I could write a book. I had the desire to be an author, but I never really thought that that could actually be a reality other than just self-publishing my own book just to say that I'd done it. So I started that book on my honeymoon. It might have been a bit of a midlife crisis. I don't think many people write books are there, anyway. No, I was just writing it on my mobile. You know, I'm a communications manager by trade, so I would always write press releases and blogs and things like that. And it was only after I'd completed the first book and published it that I thought, actually, that was so easy to do. I really feel like I could do another one and put a lot more effort and substance and, you know, wordsmithing around it rather than just trying to get the book out at all costs it was this book I and mean, it's a lot thicker there's a lot more structure i engaged an editor it actually feels like i'm an author now of a book that i would be very proud of to say would you like to read my book or would you like to get my book from amazon so that's definitely a good thing i think i've forgotten the question now How much am I on track? <laughs> was there a
0: question no it's yeah. fine one question is what was your happiest moment in the whole process
1: that's a really good question i think my happiest moments have been when people and people with their children have had photographs with the books. So with the kids' books that they're holding them up, putting them on Instagram and Facebook and social media, that's been really heartwarming. And I think at that moment that people have gone to Amazon, bought the books, and then they've got them, and then fed back to me that they read them with their grandkids or their children. And also, I've had a moment, it was in the during the middle of the lockdown, someone said that they were reading this book and it was helping them no end because they were having trouble with work. And they said that the book was just what they needed. And I can remember where I received the message. I was walking with a wife and son around the road opposite to where I am now. And it just sort of hit me that someone was reading the book because I think once you launch it into the world, it's almost like, Bye. See you later. And you don't think about it until you either ask a question about it or you receive a message or a photo about it. So I think that one was the real standout moment for me that they were using it for positive because it's meant to be. I mean, you know, we all use the term self-help, but it's really meant to be written in, in language that really does hit people hard. I swear in it, a lot. I take the piss out of people in it. I use very, very, very personal stories that have happened to me in it in order to get those messages across so people don't have to feel as shit as I did for as long as I did because I was going through some really emotional problems. And I think once I started to realize that, you know, time was ticking on, you know, the time from 22 to 42 now has gone in an instant. And I want people to understand that don't wait for that moment of realizing that it's too late listen to me now and i'm saying it goes quick so have a read of the book and see what i've learned and hopefully i've done it in a way that's humorous but also a way that will get people give them a kick up the ass to start living because we're all here to live we're not all here to put a selfie on fucking Instagram or Facebook or something like that.
0: Do you know what? It's so true. And I actually noticed myself doing it now. So, you know, one of the benefits of me working on books is I learn a lot. I learn from every book I work on. But there's a few things that stuck out to me from yours that I still think about now. And one of them was how long do you spending on Instagram? And because I'm a perfectionist and, you know, that's a benefit being a book editor. You do, in a sense, have to be a perfectionist. But then when I'm trying to get the perfect Instagram photo for my main feed, which is my photography kind of side hobby. And I'm like, why am I spending so long on this? And people are going to scroll back. Yep. Past it in a few minutes and it is it's just a waste of time and the one that still gets me is people going to gigs and not watching the gig because they're so busy yep. filming the gig and now I look around me I went to download festival a couple of weeks ago and literally looked around me and I was like everyone's just filming it and not actually enjoying the experience and who goes back <laughs>
1: to look at that footage who honestly goes back and looks at the footage of a gig that they went to that they couldn't see either on YouTube or some of, if you're not recording it, some other praties. So <laughs> look at their video. You, they're seeing it probably sitting next to you. And funny enough, we watched a documentary on Glastonbury and the history of Glastonbury. So it went from 1985 or whenever it started, you know, and they had the new age travellers arrive and things like that, right through to now, to Stormzy. And, you know, the lessons that they'd learned to get somebody from the BME background as a headliner was that, that journey. And the early footage... Of the 90s, which was my era of watching it on TV, there was hardly any camera phones. There were just flags and people sort of having a great time. To now, where it's like, you know, everybody's sort of got their hand up in the air taking this phone footage. And I'm thinking to myself, they're missing the gig. They're looking at it through a camera. They're not looking at it through themselves. I think I described it as you're not being yourself at the gig, you're being a cameraman at the gig. So why not live the experience and, and I think this is maybe this is the problem with social media. Opinions have changed. Why can't we allow people to forget or at least judge them on what they were of the, of the time that they were in is really what I'm saying. So, you know, there'll be things that are said today on this podcast that I'll be judged for. Fuck it. I can learn a lesson and, and this not be a fact of me. It, it, this is only a snapshot of me today.
0: I think one of the questions for the publishing industry generally is the kind of balance between freedom of speech and saying whatever you want to say and also thinking about is it potentially going to be offensive could it be taken the wrong way and I don't think the publishing industry has quite got where to draw the line yet and as a publishing company or as an editor how far do you go in telling someone you probably shouldn't say that and obviously we had these conversations during the editing process where I said yeah, yeah you know this is all right but this it might be taken the wrong way you might want to reconsider it and you know, I think as an editor editor it's part of my duty to tell someone actually I think this is going to come across really badly and then it's the author's choice what they do with that but I think it is a broader question for the publishing industry especially with the whole cancel culture and the amount of authors who have been cancelled and actually it's difficult we wrote a blog about it last year and kind of talking more about personal accountability and responsibility rather than cancel culture so people can engage in actual discussions rather than just being silenced I think it's a really big issue and I think it's think that the publishing industry hasn't properly address, you know rather than addressing it they are just going okay well we're just not going to publish that person and it's an industry where people are putting their opinions out there and some people have very strong opinions so it inherently comes with the ground we're on
1: yeah as a human being funnily enough i had a similar conversation with my parents over the weekend because i've started working in the web3 space around nfts and the metaverse and the concept that you could have a life within a virtual world I was talking to my parents about that, and they said that they wouldn't ever do that. They wouldn't want to do that. And I said, well, you may, or you may want to. It's because you're scared and you're not onboarded with the technology. But if your grandkid only would engage with you on a headset, then you would figure out a way. During lockdown, you advanced elderly people or older people or non-technical people advanced their minds around using phones and Facebook and Twitter and everything else. It was out of need and necessity. And... There's a film with Christian Bailin from back in the 90s, I think, called Equilibrium. And it's about not feeling anything. So they ban all artwork, poetry and music and just give these people a tablet to just accept what they're told and not rock the boat because they were saying that emotion is the root of all death and evil. And obviously we're bringing it back to death again. You know, where do we draw the line? Because at the moment, what we're doing is we'll say, we don't like that so we'll cancel it so we don't experience it and we can't learn from it and that's the bit that i'm worried about we can't learn from the things that people are saying i swear like a fucking trooper in this book and i've got a message for people and it's helping someone if someone decides that swearing is so inappropriate that amazon wouldn't stock it then that person wouldn't have been helped by my book so we've got to experience all forms of life we should be allowed to challenge it yes But not completely wipe it from the planet, because if you wipe it from the planet, you will suppress it into darker areas of the Internet, of the world. You will never wipe the opinions and the realities of those people from the planet. You will just take it out to the mainstream, which is a lot more dangerous.
0: Mm. Yeah. And on that note about (laughs) learning, (laughs) if you could do anything differently in this process of writing books and self-publishing, what would it be? You can't
1: say nothing now because you're all about learning. <laughs> I know, yeah. So if I could do something different, I would definitely engage with an editor first. I would, and this is really important, and this is really key, is not listen to anybody else. Listen to your own heart and don't worry about it. Like you said, don't wait for perfection. Publish something, as long as it reads right and it's grammatically as correct as it can be. You might have a you know, straight punctuation or full stops or extra word written the same or whatever. But don't let that stop you from getting your message out into the world because I fear that there's so many people with ideas and books, so much talent out there that are worried about probably cancel culture now more so, but you know also the opinion of others of it being good or bad. But it's, it's so subjective. You should... Just put it out into the world and let people decide rather than waiting for this sort of hidden approval of yourself that you think other people might think
0: yeah and I think a lot of people do that you know they spend so much time trying to perfect it and it probably sounds a bit ironic for an editor to say you know just put it out there but I say to people when you're 95% happy with it put it out there and yeah it might have a, a couple of typos or something you've missed or something you want to go back and change later but the beauty of Amazon is you can just put an, you know new version on there if you exactly. spotted something that you want to change and you know I think we've got into this kind of culture where having a typo is horrific and it's like oh, you can't have typos in your book and actually I can forget give typos we all make typos our brains are not designed to spot our own typos which is something I'm constantly banging on to people about like our brains are not designed for it and actually I can forgive a couple of typos in a book but I can't forgive a lack of structure or crap content and I think that's the thing we should be focusing on you know is the book actually taking people on a journey and is the content inherently valuable not is a word spelt wrong somewhere or yeah is there a stray full stop so
1: absolutely I think you helped me Become better at typos by listening back to my audio. So, the read aloud function on Word has been invaluable to me in both my writing career and my professional career. I mean, and don't get me wrong, there's still anomalies in there that are typos that sound fine when you listen to them on the replay. But on the whole, it does reduce a lot of typos. And I completely agree. Because we're going to die, we need to get it out before we're dead. You know, because we're going to fucking die, we need to get that book out and take a risk and let yourself experience negative feedback because negative feedback is, yes, it's someone else's perception and it may sting a little in the first instance. I've had some negative comments about my kids' books, about my adult books, and at the time, because you put your heart and soul in it, you feel like someone's just took your heart out and stamped it, you know, put it on the floor and stamped on it. But then when you have the distance of time between the comment and the feeling, and you can actually read it for what it is, or you process it, or you go back to write the next book, you can actually take that feedback on board and think, okay, I can either choose to do something about it or I can view that as one person's opinion of it. And I do think that we have to, One, encourage our kids to be less sensitive. I'm not a big fan. Uh, This might be a controversial opinion again. I didn't realise that I was coming on to do like news night or whatever. But I don't agree with everybody getting a medal in a race at school. I think there should be a, a first, second or third. I think we should encourage people to try and win. If they don't win, they come in a place and they have that place. Not everybody's a winner because that's not what life is like. I'm sorry to say life isn't everyone's a winner. And if you can't take losing or experience a negative outcome, then when you get into the real world and there's negative outcomes all over the shop, people around you are dying again, bringing it back to death, then you will be really struggling to handle that loss and that feeling of really what school is doing. He's teaching you how to deal with life, isn't it? And if we're not encouraging people to experience loss, then when we're adults, we'll be saying, right. Everybody else is doing crap. And there's one person doing brilliant. You all get a promotion. Okay, so your business model's shit. And you're going to fail in business. And our industry will fail. You know, we're potentially encouraging the downfall of at least business, if not society, if we don't let people experience losing at some point, whether it be a physical loss of a person or the feeling of loss from a competition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So if you had one tip for aspiring authors, what would it be? Your top number one tip?
1: Just fucking do it.
0: (laughs) Get it out there before you die. Yeah,
1: well, actually write it. Write it and launch it. Because people are going to judge you no matter what you do. So at least let them judge something that you fucking put some effort in. Don't just sit on your hands thinking of a great idea for a book and not sharing it with the world. I want to read it. Amisha wants to read it. Everybody wants to read it. And if it's shit, yes, we may say it's shit. However, at least you know that you can learn from that and improve on it. If you sit on it, it's shit. And you wait until the last minute. You've got no chance to use the learnings from the negative feedback.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Just do it.
1: Just fucking do it. As
0: Nike say or Nike or whatever they're called. (laughs)
1: I'm like the alternative, like, just fucking do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Actually, you just mentioned there about getting the book out there. How did you find marketing? Because it's the most difficult part of self-publishing for a lot of people. Yeah, so I find that Facebook
1: forums and groups are good. So I'm a member of Write That Book by Michael Heppel. He did the book called How To Be Brilliant. And his Facebook group is really, really positive and really inspirational because you hear people doing really good things with their books, but also in their life as well. But I also found that doing giveaways are really good. If you're a new author, obviously people don't know what you're like. And I find it funny actually that people wouldn't hesitate to try a new food in the frozen section from the supermarket that was say four or five pounds. But people sort of hesitate about buying a book for 5.99 from Amazon Because it might not be very good. You've got that book as a physical item, but your food might taste like dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) And it will end up in the bin regardless. Whereas (laughs) this book could change your life. To be fair, I listen to audio books more than I read physical books because I do a lot of driving to get my son and with work. But I think that the marketing aspect of just do everything, get on podcasts like this, get onto YouTube channels, speak to people, network. just. You know, anybody, I take a couple of these books that I've got next to me are the ones out of the bag that I take on the train with my laptop because I give them away. I also pretend to read it so people see the title and hope that someone might look it up.
0: Oh my God, I love that. That's amazing.
1: I'm a, a marketing director by trade and all marketing is experimentation. So you never know what's going to sell your book or promote it. And my view is that if you get one person to look it up on Amazon and buy it then you've succeeded just one person who you don't know once you've done that well I, I could die a happy man oh. which is what the book's all about
0: <laughs> <I'm> glad <laughs> well that wraps it up nicely I think
1: excellent I apologise for all the swearing and appropriateness but I saw a quote the other day that says be more yourself all of the time so other people can relax and become themselves I thought that was really good I and really
0: that, like yeah. that yeah yeah I thought you were going to say be more dog <laughs> and be more dark (laughs) but you know
1: we spend so much time worrying about other people's opinions and if you think about the length of time that you're on the planet what a waste of time what a waste of precious minutes
0: do you know what it's funny i actually screenshot something that i saw this morning and it said oh i don't try to hide my weird i like to wave it around it scares off the boring people and it's like a beacon for my fellow weirdos (laughs) i love that (laughs)
1: are you remembering my facebook
0: Quick I talk. am. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> you are going to effing die on Facebook group. You could post that in there because I like to post votes in there. Yeah. At least every day.
0: I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I was like, do you know what? The amount of time we do spend trying to fit in with society and sort of present the best version of ourselves. And I think this is a social media thing. You've got to show the best version of yourself. And actually, do you know what? I'm weird and I don't mind. Yeah. Let's just encourage everyone to be their weird selves, <laughs> not in a dangerous way. <laughs>
1: A colleague said to me the other day, "You're weird, and I like it." and I was like, "Okay, I'll take that because you don't assume that you're weird yourself. It's only when someone reflects it back to you that you find out that you're weird. But I find everyone weird. I find the fact that we as animals walk around in clothes and have boxes and pieces of paper to demark our land. <laughs> you know I find that weird <laughs> and So that we, it is weird that we write books <laughs> yeah. We write books to help other people. I am me. I am AJ1 slash Adam Jones slash ball of molecules that walks around and swears a lot.
0: A slab of meat. That's all we are, really.
1: Long pigs. What a band. But also the cannibals call us long pigs because apparently we taste like bacon.
0: I didn't know that, but thank you for that. Anyhow. Learn something new every day. (laughs) On that note, thank you so much for chatting to us today. Hope you enjoy your day. And remember that you are going to fucking die someday, so.
1: I will remember it because I've got my memento mori and my book here. Quick plug again. It's just
0: five copies that I've got in my bag.
1: <laughs> yeah. And also, if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, I'm at AJ1books. I haven't got a social media person at the moment, so I'm not very active. But if you message me, I'll send you a free book. Oh, that's nice. But if you quote Bookshelf podcast.
0: Love it. Yeah. Everyone loves a free book, don't they?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm the plug for the podcast.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Adam. No problem okay bye we can't wait for you to join us as we talk more about writing self-publishing and self-improvement on this podcast and we'd love to hear from you what tips would you find useful what questions do you need answered you can find us on our website instagram tiktok and twitter at the send us your questions via social media we'd love to hear from you In the next chapter, we'll be speaking to Katie Gray, author of The Empowered Heart. You might have heard Katie on our intro music with her beautiful song, Set Free, which you can find on all streaming platforms. So stay tuned to hear what she has to say. Thanks for listening to the Better Shelves podcast. We'll see you in the next chapter.